Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, folks, welcome in to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. And I am excited to chat with everybody today about the top power forwards in the association. Uh, Really excited to be able to chat, of course, being Wednesday night. We go live every Monday, Wednesday, and mostly Friday nights, but... Sometimes I will take that day off, uh, just kind of depending on on, uh, the actual schedule. But hey, one thing that I wanted to mention as we get into uh, August, uh, it's late August right now. We're recording this on August 30th, eight weeks until opening night as of yesterday, uh, Tuesday, August 29th. Tuesday, October 24th, will be when the Nuggets tip off against the Los Angeles Lakers. They will claim their championship rings, and that is a really, really exciting aspect. I'll be covering that in the second segment. I want to kind of go over some thoughts that I had about that today, Uh, but just some other thoughts before we get into the bulk of this podcast. Uh, My guy Swipe a Can is in town. He is in town, and he's been recording some content for Mile High Sports, and we've got a couple special things lined up. We're going to record something pretty cool on Friday, uh, maybe a couple cool things on Friday, and I am looking forward to that conversation. Make sure to uh, subscribe to the channel, milehighsports.com. That's where you'll be, or youtube.com slash milehighsports. That is where you'll be able to find everything here. Um and so make sure to check out Swipe Cam as well. He does fantastic work, and I'm happy to meet him, happy to see him. All right, let's lock in now and talk about the main topic of the evening, the top power forwards in the NBA. And as you know, I have been doing these lists for point guards, shooting guards, small forwards uh, as of now. Nikola Jokic will top the centers list, obviously, but... I haven't done the power forwards, and I think the power forward list is actually really interesting because a lot of what people would consider small forwards now are definitely power forwards. Like Giannis kind of always been a power forward. He might even move to center here in a couple of years. Uh, But LeBron James, power forward. Kawhi Leonard, that one's kind of ambiguous, but I've called him a power forward for this because if you look at the most played lineups that the Los Angeles Clippers have, Paul George is a small forward, and Kawhi is the power forward. That's just what they usually do when they're at their peak. Uh, And then guys like Zion Williamson and Aaron Gordon, and there are other names on this list, Kevin Durant, uh, that I will be chatting about. And I think that this is just a very interesting group of players, and I wanted to be able to break it down in a similar way that I did in the previous list. So just going over the criteria really quick. This is the player that creates the most positive impact 
on their team or for their team on both sides of the floor in both the regular season and the playoffs. That's my general approach to these lists. We've been having a good time with them during the month of August, and I wanted to uh, do this one and then maybe do the center one some point in the near future, and we'll be able to then rank all the players in the NBA by the time all of those uh, lists come out from ESPN and uh, Sports Illustrated and Ringer and places like that. And that should be fun. That should be a, it's always enjoyable content to react and get upset about where your favorite players are. So without further ado, let's discuss the top of the list. It's got to be Giannis. It's, it's just got to be Giannis. And Giannis was the consensus best player in the NBA last year. I don't think anybody had anybody else, at least not nationally. Jokic was pushing for various points uh, just because he had won back-to-back MVPs, but the way that Giannis had performed, even without Chris Middleton in the playoffs last year, uh, or 2022, he looked really good, and he was playing extremely well and acquitted himself very well. And then this year happened, and Giannis for, it feels like the third year in a row basically was third, fourth, and MVP. So really, really talented regular season player, not quite at the best. But he kind of flopped in the playoffs. And part of that is the injury that he sustained to his back. Part of that is the limitations that he has to his game. Part of that was because he wasn't guarding Jimmy Butler. And then Jimmy Butler ran roughshod over Drew Holiday and the Milwaukee Bucks. And the Bucks were upset, despite being the one seed, losing to an eight seed. In five games, it wasn't even close. And Giannis only played three of those games, so I don't want to like penalize him too much for this. But he's on notice, right? Like you can't falter that way. And with the shooting lacking as much as it was, the defense is what it is. Like he's really, really good on the defensive end. But sometimes when you're playing power forward, you just don't affect the game as much as when you're center. And he was playing a lot of power forward and not really doing a lot while Brooke Lopez was out there. And that, I mean, especially when you're being spaced out and there's a four out offense, it's got to be really hard. So he's fine. But there are also limitations. Sometimes he doesn't make great decisions with the basketball. Sometimes he doesn't shoot. And that can cause some issues. So he is the top power forward. He's probably the second best player in the league behind Jokic. But I do think that there is at least some open debate uh, when it comes to not necessarily the next guy on this list, but like anybody that has Giannis as the best player in the world still, I'm not going to criticize you, but definitely showed a lot more holes in his game than a lot of his biggest like supporters say that he has. So going to be interesting to see. Next, I have Kevin Durant, uh, another guy who playoff foibles have definitely been an issue these last couple of years. Uh, Dating back to that Boston series that he played with Brooklyn, that was not great, and he didn't play well, and he deserves some criticism for that, but of course Boston was just a very well-built team, and like that's sometimes an issue, like you're you're going to struggle sometimes, and uh, he definitely struggled. I mean, even though his struggles are still like 28, 6, and 7, he's still really, really talented, but in this last year, he also showed some holes. He wasn't the consistent force that Devin Booker was even. He was playing great against the Clippers, but put him against the Nuggets and Aaron Gordon, and he didn't look as 
lethal as he previously had. There were times where he was making shots, but Gordon held him down and deserves a lot of credit for that. But KD also deserves a little bit of uh, questioning whether he actually deserves to be at this spot on the list. I have him above LeBron. I think that those two are pretty much interchangeable at this point. Uh, but when I was I was on with Swipe and we were doing like top 10 players in the NBA, I think I had uh, I had Durant behind Joel Embiid and, and Swipe changed me around. He's like, dude, you got to you got to have this differently. And I, I, I listened to the argument. And I was like, OK, that makes sense. But with KD, there there's still. The rings are always going to be a thing. He won the two rings with Golden State, and there are those that are going to complain about that until the end of time. So he's got to win somewhere else, and he hasn't yet. And whether it be him or somebody else's faults, or maybe it's just a, another team was better, uh, it's hard to figure out which is which. Next, as I mentioned, LeBron James is now a power forward. He did spend some time at small forward against the Nuggets, but that was because they introduced Rui Hachimura into the starting lineup, removed, uh, I think it was Schroeder from the starting lineup at that point, and decided that they would go a little bit bigger. It didn't ultimately work out, but LeBron, I mean, he still has my respect from the perspective of clearly a top 10 player in the league still, in my opinion, somebody who can change the game on a whim, and it's usually his whim. Um, Definitely can't maintain at those peak levels as long as he used to, but still very, very good. Still causes more fear than just about any other player in the league when it comes to a playoff setting. Uh, He deserves a lot of credit, and he orchestrates everything for the Lakers in particular. So uh, he gets a lot of credit, does take some plays off here or there, and definitely has some weak shooting areas, uh, especially this last year against the Nuggets in the fourth quarter. But I do think that, I mean, he's still one of the goats. Like, he's, he's awesome and deserves a ton of credit for being this good at this age. Next is Kawhi. Kawhi Leonard, number four. So we've got Giannis at one, KD at two, LeBron at three. Kawhi comes in at four. And this is, I mean, definitely not by what he's actually shown on the court the last two years. But dating back to the 2021 season when he was on the floor, they were unbelievable, the Clippers were. And he deserves a ton of credit for like when he did ultimately come back and when he when he figured out how to recover from the ACL injury and took him a little bit, but he ultimately made it work. He started looking like Kawhi again, and then he got hurt. This was kind of a freak injury, not necessarily think anything connected to the torn ACL, but Still, it's it's just another injury issue for Kawhi, and he's getting up there now where the injuries are mounting, and expecting him to be in that top group, I think might be unfair. I do not have Kawhi as a top 10 player in the league anymore, and I think it's fair to not have him there, because you just don't know what you're going to get. And the defense is not what it used to be. He could still really lock up when he wants to, but he can't do it for prolonged periods anymore. And that is like clearly age-related and injury-related uh, drop-off that he's sustaining. Still is an unbelievable talent. Still is a very dangerous player for one game for 48 minutes. But I don't even know if you can call it a series anymore because we just haven't seen him 
actually get through that. What's up, Kalen? I see that. Whoop, whoop. So rare I get to catch you live, Ryan. Awesome. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you for stopping by. I do appreciate that, of course. Uh, all right. Back to it. Uh, Zion Williamson is number five. We will take a break after that. Uh, Zion Williamson is... <laughs> what What can people really say about Zion that hasn't already been said, if we're being honest? A supremely talented athlete pound for pound, maybe the best athlete in the world. And he is dynamic as a playmaker, dynamic as a scorer, and in the open court. The problem is, is that he didn't actually stay on the floor this past year, couldn't get back out there after about January, February. And the Pelicans had gone without, despite the fact that he looked really good for the first two, two and a half months of the season. That's tough. It's a tough place to be if you're a Pelicans fan because you want to commit to Zion. You want to give them the benefit of the doubt. But if you never know what's actually going to look like with Zion, then that's that's a massive issue. Also have never seen him in the playoffs. So he might be great. He might be great in the playoffs. He might be a perfect playoff player. Or he might be terrible. And we just don't know. So it, you can't you can't rank him any higher than this, that's for sure. I think this is actually pretty generous when it comes to rankings. He could have been ranked lower because he does have some defensive issues. Uh, obviously, the lack of shooting is a difference for the top of the top players. Uh, he doesn't have to do it because of how athletic he is, but if he's going to get hurt or if he's going to not be able to stay healthy anytime he tries to be the athlete that he is, then it really devalues what he does like because you, you need somebody out there. Like it, it's very similar to Kawhi. Like you could say what you want about Kevin Durant and LeBron James, but they've been out there uh, when the time has mattered and when it's not related to an Achilles tear, basically. Like everybody has been spoiled by how durable LeBron James has been that even somebody like Kevin Durant seems injury-prone, despite the fact that he's played like 40,000 minutes. He's been on the floor a lot. Kawhi, because I've been looking at top players of all time, Kawhi gets some credit for his peak, but he's also only played 19,000 minutes in his entire NBA career, which, if I'm not mistaken, is just about where Nikola Jokic is at, despite the fact that Jokic is, I think, four years like later in the league. Like Kawhi got drafted in 2011. Jokic joined the league in 2015. So there is a clear issue for Zion. Sorry, I got tangented away from Zion. He's got to stay healthy. He's just got to put together 2,000 minutes consistently. And even if it's not 2,000, like it's got to be at least 1,500. Uh, so far in his NBA career, I'll just look this up for the benefit of the podcast. Zion Williamson has played a total of 114 games in the NBA. He played 29 games last year, 61 in his 2021 season. He missed 2022 uh, in his rookie season. He played only 24 because he was coming back from a long-term injury then. So he's only played 3,600 minutes in his entire NBA career because he hasn't played a playoff game. So, look, I, I want to give him... He will be knocked down this list further. 
if he doesn't play. Like it just he has to be. There's this is kind of the sweet spot around the twenty fifth to thirtieth best player in the NBA or so, where you can justify him being an all star talent, but just not like being on the floor consistently. If he isn't out there again, he'll be knocked out just like completely. It's uh it's an unfortunate aspect of this, but he's gotta stay out there. He's gotta stay healthy. All right, tell you what, let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to discuss the rest of this list, including where Aaron Gordon comes in, where he appears on the list himself. I am looking forward to seeing what everybody thinks I have about Aaron Gordon. But first, everybody, why bet with the big boys this football season? Instead, try your hand with the local book, Superbook Sports, this fall. Superbook Sports is the book next door, just a dedicated team of the best odds makers in Las Vegas, making sure you get the best prices and parlays anywhere. And now Superbook will give you a bonus of $250 when you bet with them. They are very, very good, very, very talented at what they do. We have a great relationship with Superbook, and I love working with them. So bet with the best and use promo code MILEHIGH this football season with Superbook Sports. If you sign up and wager on the same day, and use that promo code, you will get that $250 bonus. They are awesome. They do great stuff for you. Visit superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem called 1-800-GAMBLING. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. We're back. Pickaxe and roll. Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support on the podcast, as always. If you're still listening, thank you so much. I'll make sure to rate, review, and subscribe on the audio side as well. I, I saw a, a negative review that I had that I was neglecting the audio side of things, and I apologize for that. I'm, I'm doing my best to help grow the YouTube channel over here. Uh, so if you're watching, really do appreciate you. But if you're listening on the audio side, I obviously appreciate you, too. Thank you so much. You guys are my home. Like that's that's where I started, and I I uh, for a long time was just podcasting and not doing a video portion. So uh, don't get it twisted. I love my audio audience, and I really do appreciate them. All right, let's talk about the rest of the power forwards. Pascal Siakam ranks number six for me, and to be honest, he could rank number five. I think that you could argue for Zion to be lower and just about as low as about eight on this list. Um, But Pascal is awesome. He's still very, very good. He has been miscast as a star. He has been the star creator for the Toronto Raptors for a long time. And he's never been, well, actually the last time he was a real second option was in 2019 when they won the title with Kawhi Leonard. Ever since then, he's grown, and he's been an all-star, and he's been very, very good, very capable, but the Raptors have kind of fallen back to earth as Kyle Lowry got older, OG Ananobi kind of became what he was, uh, the center position sort of changed for the Raptors really quickly, and uh, they actually just sort of evolved. And Pascal has evolved, and he's been a very versatile piece for them, but he also... I think needs to be a second option as opposed to a first option 
And then you would see a lot of what he does and, and sort of have, like without the pressure of being the top guy, he would be great. Like, I mean, if Jamal Murray wasn't in Denver, it would be interesting to see what a guy like Pascal Siakam would do next to Nikola Jokic as a second option. Um, it doesn't have to be with Jokic. It could be Damian Lillard as the first option and Pascal Siakam as the second option. It could be any number of guys. Steph Curry, for example. Like, you just need a, a number one at kind of a lead ball handler position or a lead playmaker position. Let Pascal work off ball or just be kind of a secondary option. And he looks really good. I think that, in general, Pascal is one of those guys that definitely falls through the cracks because he plays for Toronto, and that's just a a fact of life for everybody that's with the Raptors. They definitely are overlooked. There's no doubt about it. And I think that he's very talented. I think that he's very good. I also don't think he's infallible. He's got some weaknesses. There's definitely there's a reason why I'm calling for him to be honestly traded or for somebody to send an upgrade over to Toronto so that they could have a top guy as opposed to Pascal. But he's still really good, and he's a very versatile player. And I think his ceiling is probably at about 15th best player in the NBA, but he could do that as a prime number two, kind of like a an Anthony Davis for LeBron James, as, as just one example. Number seven, Jaron Jackson Jr., really, really good player. And uh, kind of like a second or third option on the Memphis Grizzlies. He can kind of balloon up and be more of a first option type at times. But he's also flawed in various ways. He plays power forward a lot of the time, but he's truly a center. He's truly a rim protector. One of the reasons he starts a power forward is to, one, let him be a roamer as a backline defender and, and swat a bunch of shots and, and try to collect as many blocks as possible. But the other is to save him from foul trouble. It's to save him from a massive workload as the center. He can be a pretty solid center, but he also just gets into foul trouble. You've seen it with Team USA. You've seen it with Memphis for and with Jaron for his entire career, basically. He is a very talented player. He's also clearly a secondary player. Not really a superstar by himself or anything, but he did just win Defensive Player of the Year. Clearly impactful on that end and and dynamic on that end. I think it was interesting that Anthony Davis was clearly the better defender in that series between Anthony Davis and Jaron Jackson and the Lakers and the Grizzlies. However, I do think that Jaron can absolutely do most everything that Anthony Davis does from a playoff context. He just has to mature a little bit, get a little bit better, and the best is yet to come for him for sure. Like I think he's still like 24. So that dude is going to be a great player for a long, long time. And I look forward to seeing where it gets to. He might be a top 10 player in the NBA by when it's all said and done. Larry Markkinen comes in at eight. Uh, When I was talking to Matt Moore of the Action Network, he was on this podcast uh, just a couple weeks ago, and he ranked Larry Markkinen very high. I think he was like 16, 17, 18 range. Just being a very dynamic uh, power forward who can spread the floor, who can go off the dribble, who can create for himself and others, and also can rebound a little bit. And Larry can do all those things, and I, I do firmly believe that he can. I also just think that Pascal and Jaron Jackson are kind of underrated. Um, Jaron, of course, made an all-star game. Larry made his first all-star game, too, so it's not like they're that underrated. 
but I, I tend to value the defensive guys a little bit more. Still not sure where Lari's going to do, what he's going to be. He was the first option for a subpar Utah team this last year, and I don't know what he's going to look like going forward, but if he's the first option for that team, they're probably not going very far. If he's the second option, then they might be a playoff contender. They might be a title contender. Who knows? But I do think he's talented. He's very good. He's dynamic. He was a high-efficiency kind of shooter. Really, really effective on the move, but also stationary. Uh, Did a lot of good things. So I think that he's one of those guys that kind of like a Pascal Siakam is definitely going to fall through the cracks. Uh, But I wanted to rank him at this place right before number nine on this list, which is Aaron Gordon. I think that if you had to tear this list out, Laurie's probably in that top eight. He's probably in the group that features Zion, Pascal, Jaron Jackson, and and him, uh, Laurie Markkinen. Aaron Gordon is probably at the top of the next tier. And this is not a knock on AG. AG was getting some massive all-star buzz this last year because he absolutely deserved it. And he was very, very great within his role, but he was within his role. And by being able to kind of limit what he did and limit the actual actions that he was participating in, playing with Nikola Jokic consistently, Gordon was dynamic and he was fantastic and he was a very, very valuable player. Um, I think that he probably should have made the All-Star game based off of... Actually, you know what? That's not true. I was more caping for Jamal by the end because I could see kind of that that change coming um, late December, January-ish. That was right when Jamal was basically saying, okay, now I'm back. I'm I'm good to go, ready to go, ready to prove that I'm the second best player on this team. And then AG kind of stepped back and then he stepped into even more of a role as opposed to kind of leading the way as a as a star type. But his dynamic ability to be able to do those things is really important. It is a really important aspect of things. And I think his ability to Scale up on the offensive end, scale up on the defensive end. He did both of those things in the playoffs for sure. I like seeing what he was able to do just throughout the playoffs. And I think about this list, and when I actually made this list, I had to ask myself between Aaron Gordon and the next two guys on the list whether they could do what he did uh, just from an offensive and defensive standpoint in the playoffs this last year. I think the answer is no. I'll get to them in just a little bit, but AG being able to fill that role, playing the Andrew Wiggins style role that I've I've credited him with, kind of that that role player who is outside of uh, the pecking order when it comes to offensive responsibility, but can step up when needed, can st- can scale up when needed. Sorry, stuttering here, and uh, and just do a lot of great stuff. I- I've been really impressed with AG. Obviously, I know everybody here has been too. I think this is the right place for him. I don't think that he should go much lower than this. I don't think he should go much higher than this. Uh, but I do think that nine on, on this list with this particular set of players seems about right. And then rounding out uh, the top 10. Actually, I'm going to make an edit here really quick because this is wrong. Let me edit this list. I missed a guy and want to make sure that they are credited. Draymond Green. 
Draymond Green is on this list and obviously deserved. Like he is a dynamic defensive player. I was having this debate with somebody else um, who is the top defensive player of this generation. They were arguing, or one of those guys was arguing for Anthony Davis. I would argue for Draymond because of what he did to revolutionize the game as a small ball five, as somebody who could move, as somebody who could do just about everything you wanted to uh, from the perspective of defense. Like you, you need somebody who can be on ball. You need somebody who can be off ball. You need somebody who could rotate. You need somebody who could direct traffic. And Draymond is the defensive quarterback of this generation. Like he's just the best at it. And the way that he does it on the offensive end as well, sort of directing traffic for the movement offense that Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Kevin Durant, back of the day, operate. Like He does it better than just about anybody. I think that Jokic would do it, be- do it better. I think that LeBron would do it better. But other than those two guys, I don't think there's any other like kind of forward or big that would do it better than Draymond Green, who's been awesome in that role. And and to see what he did uh, over these last couple of years, he was obviously a critical piece of the championship team. Probably the third best player on that team behind Wiggins. Uh, but I do think that, and obviously Curry, but I do think that Draymond, despite the fact that he's fallen off a little bit, I think that he deserves to be here. And I think that he actually deserves to be behind Aaron Gordon. Like, that's going to rub a lot of people the wrong way. Not a lot of people think about it that way. But I do think that Draymond, just from the perspective of what Aaron Gordon adds versus what Draymond Green adds, I think that Aaron Gordon is more dynamic when it comes to the offensive end specifically. And then the defensive end, he wasn't a quarterback by any means, but he was certainly the the main guy to cover the opposing team's best player. So, uh AG deserves to be above him, but I do think that Draymond deserves to be on the top 10, and that is a fair place. A few more names before we get out of here. 11 through 15, I had as Julius Randle, Evan Mobley, Jeremy Grant, Paolo Bencaro, and Jaden McDaniels. Those guys are very good, very dynamic, very talented in their own rights. I decided to kick off Julius Randle. Initially, I had Aaron Gordon at 11, Draymond Green at 10, and Julius Randle at 9. I decided to flip-flop those guys, and uh, Julius Randle, given that he doesn't really do anything close to what Aaron Gordon does from a playoff perspective, I think that the Knicks, if they, like, I don't think that they lose anything if they switch Aaron Gordon for Draymond, or for Julius Randle, because Jalen Brunson just takes on more of the offensive load, and Aaron Gordon helps them out defensively. I think that if the Nuggets switch Aaron Gordon for Julius Randle, then they may not win a title. Like they, they just might not. He, he just doesn't fit as many places, Julius Randle. He needs to be kind of that star, but he is not a star caliber player. So it's a tough place for him to be. Evan Mobley will be on this top 10 probably by the end of next year. He's very, very good. Uh, was solid this last year. I think he showed some weaknesses, but he also showed some incredible talent too. Jeremy Grant, he's kind of going to be a perennial 10 to 15 kind of guy. Uh, some people might choose him to be higher. I think he's right at the right place. Paolo Bancaro is kicking ass for the national U.S. team right now. Like He will be on this list when it's all said and done. And then Jaden McDaniels. 
a young athletic defensive phenom who will probably also be on this list when it's all said and done. So I know that KD, LeBron, Kawhi, those guys aren't going to be on there forever. Draymond, same thing. Uh, the young guard is is really going. And I didn't even add, like, here's some other players that, that could have been considered. Tobias Harris, Kyle Kuzma, Cam Johnson, Boyan Bogdanovich, John Collins, P.J. Washington, Keegan Murray. You start to get into, like, average to subpar starters real quick. But I think that this is a pretty strong position. And for Aaron Gordon to have cracked the top 10 shows just how great of a fit he is, just how talented he is, and how important it is to win a title. Because that raises everybody's profile in general. And Aaron Gordon absolutely deserves that consideration. So when we come back, I want to wrap up with eight weeks until opening night, what that looks like, why it's important, and how soon that actually is, because it feels very, very soon. Good morning, Broncos, every Monday through Friday. Uh, I think it's 9 a.m., if I'm not mistaken, on the Mile High Sports YouTube channel. Uh, go to premieres. I think those are pre-recorded. Um, but uh, Cody Rourke has done a great job. He just broke down the final 53 on the Broncos roster. Obviously, there are some surprises, some trades. I think Albert O got traded. So uh, there's a lot to decipher on the Broncos side of things. And the season there is really ramping up. So make sure to subscribe or to... Uh, uh, yeah, subscribe to the YouTube channel here, and you'll be able to check that out as well. All right. Uh, Kalen says, eight weeks, I need it. I'm sorry, but I just don't watch baseball. I need football back. Even more, I need the NBA. Alabama, I, I'm fully in agreement. I think a lot of people have felt that way, Kalen. Uh, just this is the dead period for sports. Uh, it's that July, August period where it really is just baseball. And I think the Team USA and then the World Cup experience, although that has caused a whole host of other questions, uh, that experience and, and being able to watch some basketball has been really good for most basketball fans and most Nuggets fans. Unfortunately, there's no Nikola Jokic to watch. There's no Jamal Murray to watch. Flacco Chantra tore his ACL, and that's a very stressful thing, obviously. Uh, so there's a lot to like. still... like. Like Nuggets fans are still left wanting, although I see a lot of posts about the Nuggets winning a championship. Uh, nobody has forgotten, and, and Nuggets fans are certainly not letting anybody forget, which is fantastic for me. I do want to revisit eight weeks, as it says over here. Um, eight weeks until opening night. It's a long time, but also a short time. We are closer to the opening night of the season now than we are to when Denver won a championship. And that is a scary concept for somebody who has to cover the team because I'm, uh, I, I want to get back into the flow of things, but also I know what happens when I get back into the flow of things. It's going to be very busy. But I know that Nuggets fans are rearing for it. They are ready to go, which is why I'm podcasting. That's why I'm covering it. So I did want to answer some leftover mailback questions that I had which are going to cover basically 2023-24 season, what it looks like. Some of the bench questions, mostly young guy questions. But if you are listening 
and you have a question, comment it or leave it in the, uh, yeah, comment in the live chat or leave it in the post-podcast comments. Like, I'll get back to those and I'll revisit those and we can start doing those more consistently as the season uh, comes closer and closer. Like, there's there's a lot to cover, obviously, and I'm more than willing to cover it. So, let's get into it. Chef Baldwin, he kicks us off and he asks, is Christian Brown really Bruce Brown's replacement? Or actually KCPs after this year. Uh, obviously, I, d- I did the Christian Brown podcast when I, I think it was not last week, but the week before. I talked about Christian Brown and, and his role and what I expect from him, what are really healthy expectations for Christian Brown. And I think that he's going to try to be the sixth man this year, but he doesn't really profile to be the ball handler that Bruce Brown was. He doesn't really profile to be uh, the shooter that Bruce Brown was even like he is more going to be a defensive guy and uh, more of a scorer. I, I say he, he'll probably profile to be more of a shooter. Uh, it's just going to take some time and he's going to have to really iron that out. And he's capable of doing that. I do think that the Nuggets are grooming him to be the top shooting guard on their team. KCP is in his thirties. He is not infallible. He is in the final year of his contract this year, and then will have a player option the year after that, after which he will either be looking for a big raise or the Nuggets will give him what they think is a uh, a, a reasonable extension. Although, if you're talking to me, like I, I think that there's a possibility that given that Denver was just very uh, expensive this last year, they're going to be expensive this year. It wouldn't surprise me if they try to duck the tax or maybe cut some corners. And if KCP opts out and is looking for a $20 million per year kind of deal, they might say they're good. They honestly might say they're okay. And I, I wouldn't blame them if I'm being honest. There are ways that they could get around that, although they would need to have a replacement in tow, and Christian Brown is kind of the ready-made guy there. Maybe it's Peyton Watson, although he's not really the shooter that they need at that spot. It's nice to have the spacing that a shooting guard provides, and Watson doesn't really provide that. So maybe it's Julian Strava. Maybe it's Hunter Tyson. Uh, maybe it's Jalen Pickett. But I really do think that Christian Brown is probably that guy that you're looking for to be the, the shooting guard replacement in the future. This is not... Um, like This is a, a fair question for sure. I do think that Christian Brown's going to be decidedly different as a sixth man than Bruce Brown was. It's going to be more of a rotational player as opposed to a kind of game changer. But I do think that that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Other guys can can provide that, notably Peyton Watson and maybe even Reggie Jackson, who I podcasted about last time. Anthony Morales, he asks, is there any chance Hunter Tyson actually can get minutes and have an impact on this team? Absolutely. Given that Flacco Chanchar just tore his ACL, I think that people kind of forget that Vlaco was going to be the seventh man. He was going to play a lot of minutes on this team. And he had the versatility and the uh, familiarity for sure. And kind of he was more of a, of a veteran than just about anybody else on the roster. So he was going to get an opportunity. He was going to be very, very important for the team, probably like 20 minutes a game or so. And as it turns out, that's not going to happen. So those 20 minutes per game for about 70, 75 minutes or 75 games during the regular season are going to be open. 
And Denver will mess around with different lineups. They will try different things. I think they'll probably try uh, Peyton Watson at power forward. They'll probably try Zeke Najee at power forward and then play him next to a true center like a DeAndre Jordan, like a Jay Huff, their second uh, uh, two-way contract that they signed. But Hunter Tyson makes a lot of sense just from a perspective of, hey, you are a positional power forward. You are 6'8", 6'9", a stereotypical stretch forward, in my opinion. It just looks looks the part of somebody who could run some pick and pop with a guy like Jalen Pickett or Reggie Jackson or, or even Jamal Murray and say, look, I'm going to run some ghost screens here and or I'm going to screen or I'm going to ghost screen. I'm going to flare out to the wing and I'm going to give some spacing for you and you are either going to hit me on a on a pass at the top of the key or you are going to get downhill. I think the Hunter Tyson makes a lot of sense. Got to be able to execute legit NBA sets, but I think that he will be. Uh, he was very, very competent when we saw him in Summer League, and I don't see any reason why he would lose that heading into the NBA, uh, but who knows? Like Summer League is not, an, it's not emblematic of what's going to happen in the NBA. It's going to be different, but I do think the Hunter can actually learn and do some things and maybe provide some impact. So to answer the question, Anthony, yes, I do think that there is a chance. Uh, whether he will be in the final rotation or not, that remains to be seen. And we'll go final question here. This is from Jacob Burke. Assuming the three rookies play limited minutes and Peyton Watts becomes a contributor, what move or moves would you be eyeing for the trade deadline? Limited minutes for the rookies means that they are not in the playoff rotation, I assume. If Peyton Watson does become a contributor, then you're looking at, all right, Christian Brown, Peyton Watson, and maybe Zeke Najee as your contributors off the bench. What does that look like from a playoff standpoint? Well, you probably don't have enough ball handling, so you might need a ball handler. You might need somebody to replace either Reggie Jackson or Jalen Pickett in the rotation. You might need somebody who can just set the table for others. Maybe they are more of a defensive one, and you just stagger Jamal and play him 40 minutes, and you feel okay about that. But you're going to need that. I think Denver's starting lineup is perfect. There's nothing that I would change about it. There's nothing that I would add to it. Um, maybe you're looking for a true backup center if you don't think that Zeke Najee is going to work out. Uh, maybe you're looking for another stretch four, somebody who could replace Vlatko if you believe that Peyton Watson is not going to do it and, and uh, Hunter Tyson's not going to do it. So there's a lot of things that Denver can add. I could realistically see them adding any of the five positions, if I'm being honest. They could add a point guard, a shooting guard, a small forward, a power forward, or a center to their bench, and you would not shock me. Um, I don't think shooting guard is probably going to happen because they've got Strother and they've got Brown as their kind of two different shooting guard types, but if they added a small forward, would anybody really be surprised? No. Uh, They also have Justin Holiday, by the way, who I keep forgetting about. He can be your shooting guard or your small forward off the bench, depending on what you need and what size lineups you're playing. But Justin Holiday is likely a guy that they will trust. And I wonder if he's going to be in the cards for this group, but should be very interesting. And I'm, of course, looking forward to seeing what the Nuggets ultimately do. But for now, I think that is going to do it on this episode of Pickaxe and Roll. Everybody, thank you so much for tuning into the show. I really do appreciate the love and support on the podcast, as always. It is nice to be able to come in here and just be able to 
talk freely about the Nuggets, and I, I never try to take that for granted. Uh, there are uh, obviously other things that are going on. Uh, I forget that COVID was a thing. My my roommate just came down with COVID uh, at our fantasy football party, so I might be getting it at some point, and I'll make sure to com- communicate to everybody that I might not do the podcast on Friday if I feel horrible, but... Um, but I do think that's going to do it for this particular episode. And I am looking forward to chatting with everybody on Friday. If I'm not. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. I appreciate all the love and support on the podcast. As always, I will talk to you guys very soon. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Save big money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble, and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Save big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money.